This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, listen, uh, we are going to be transitioning to another sermon series. As we, uh, we tackled this book uh, back in 2013, excuse me, 2012, and I think it's just pertinent for us to revisit uh, what the Lord is going to remind us again and again. Now, it seems to me it reminds us every four years. It's somehow like, like synchronization of God trying to remind us who we belong to. One of the reasons we come to church, and I'm going to probably share that today or maybe even next week, is part of coming to church and participating online on YouTube is to remind us who we belong to because it's very easy to forget. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. I won't read the whole chapter, and we will just barely get in in, uh, uh, this morning just a beginning introduction. A lot of our families are are on vacation or out, and uh, we'd like for them to make sure they uh, keep up. Uh, Very similar to maybe uh, a coach of a team, you know, if half his team is missing, it's hard to to unfold a new plan or, uh, you know, the the offensive plan or the defensive plan when uh, many people are missing. So I don't want to get too ahead of everybody. Uh, Continue to pray for our church families, those who are home, uh, those who might be homesick, and uh, we've been really blessed uh, so far. Uh, Other churches I know haven't had it so easy. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, during the third year of, the, of King Jehoiakim, reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. And now Judah belonged to the people of God. They are the people of God. And the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and, prohib- and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah, royal family, and other noble families who have been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only the strong and healthy and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. I won't read the rest of the chapter again. I just want to do an introduction this morning. At the end, I'll I'll ask Royce to come up and and end our time with a song. But I'd like for us to start off with, I don't know if you guys, uh, maybe if you're older than me, you haven't, but if you have, maybe if you've ever played the game, Would you rather? Just raise your hand if you ever played the game, would you rather? All right. Uh, So let's play a little game. Uh, Don't get too excited. It's not going to be that much fun. Okay. Would you rather live in a home country, your home country, and speak your native language and know the location, or would you rather live in a country that you're not welcomed, you don't know the language or its customs, and they're not really happy that you're there? Of course, the answer is obvious. The obvious answer for most of us 
there's usually there's one that one country, I'd choose the other. But typically most of us would p- pick the home country where we speak the language, we know the area, and we are welcomed in our, our native country. This is really interesting as it segues from what we just shared a few weeks ago with, with the whole concept of being neighborly. The, and uh, two weeks ago, or a week ago, we talked about international students. We have a slew of international students living in our community that English is not their primary language. They don't understand the culture. I remember one time a friend of mine, he was, um, he was from Africa. I'll just leave it at that. This is about 20 years ago. And um, he, he got in a car with some, some um, people from the church, and he was overwhelmed by the perfumes that he'd smelled. It was just like, it was just, literally gave him a headache. You know, we have perfume in our, our hair uh, shampoo. We wear cologne. We wear perfume. Our deodorants have a perfume. The soap that we use. So this a young man wasn't accustomed to that and immediately was uh, introduced to all sorts of uh, lavenders, if you will. Uh, on the same, uh, you know, I remember uh, being around my friend and uh, he wouldn't wear deodorant. So I was not accustomed to the, uh, the, the scent that uh, he was emitting, and so we both try to help each other. Uh, so it is unusual for people to, uh, it's difficult for people to come to a country where they don't understand the customs. It's tough. And so uh, we are going to talk about some incredible people that are in a land that, that it's not their own. Now, I, I remember I had another friend. His name was Gyokan, and uh, I've shared this story a couple times. Um, and uh, I remember going to the airport to pick him up, and I was looking for a gentleman. It's our first slide. I don't know if you, you have it correctly. If, if you look at the sheet, uh, it'll tell you. It's, it's not on there? Nat, can you help me out or not? It's not on there? Anyway, so it was a guy that it looked like he, had, he was uh, upper middle class of uh, uh, Arab descent, and I was looking for him, and, and I couldn't find him. Because that's who I was looking for at the airport. And then uh, the second thing was then I noticed is that this young man who was dressed kind of nerdy, he came up to me and he goes, are you Marius Lars? like, yes. So he threw me off. I was expecting something. I had a picture in my mind what Gyokan might have looked like. But when he looked at me and introduced himself, he looked totally different. Little nerdish. He actually had a pocket calculator on his belt. He had a, a pen sleeve thing, you know, pens, and uh, just a very kind man. We invited him to my house, and then uh, we, we introduced him to the campus. We told him about life on campus, and then uh, off he went, and we didn't see him for two years. I didn't see him for two years, and then he came looking for me to say goodbye. Now, one of the funny things, and I think we do have that one. Let's just uh, go to that GQ picture. Do you show that one? Is it there? There it is. Uh, this is what he, he looked like at the end. Uh, very good looking, long hair. Actually, I couldn't find an actual picture, but he, he was in a ponytail. And um, what happened to Gyokan after two years? When I first saw him, he was wearing a po- pocket calculator. He was wearing pens in his, in his short sleeve pocketed shirt. I was kind of nerdy back then. Hopefully nobody's wearing a short sleeve shirt. With a pocket, I think I see one. Double pocket. Okay, so you're good. And so, uh, and so he he changed. 
What happened to Gyokan? You know the answer. What happened to Gyokan? Gyokan adjusted to the culture. He was in the film school at Florida State. When I saw him, I was in such shock how his English improved. How, I mean, uh, he was eating at all the cool places. Uh, the language changed. Uh, just the way he carried himself. And I recognized that Gyokan adjusted to the culture. He was different. He knew how to maneuver his way through the culture. He adopted. And this is what we're going to be talking to you about today and as an introduction. But Daniel, the book of Daniel, will talk about individuals who are going to be forced to adapt to the culture. But I want you to remember that we, this culture that we live in is not our permanent place. We are not um, of this place any longer if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passion of the flesh, which wage, against, uh, wage war against your soul. So we are sojourners. We are, we are not of this place. We are like international students, if you will. This is not our permanent place of residence. Hebrews 13 says, uh, For you have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come through him. Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. So basically, this is not our home. And church, when you come to Sunday, it's a reminder that this is not our home. That's why I should encourage everyone, because if you think that uh, we don't need a reminder, I think you're fooling yourself. I think the enemy would try to fool you to thinking that you don't need a reminder, that somehow you're like Teflon and it's not affecting you. But I guarantee you, all of us are affected. All of us are susceptible to adjusting to the culture. There's not one person here, as I'm looking at everybody here, who's not capable of adjusting to the culture of this world. And if you think you're not capable, then I would pray for you that, you, that you, uh, pride comes before the fall. So I want to challenge you this morning as we learn and we dive into this book, and maybe you know the book, and, and maybe you just, the Holy Spirit saying, you need a reminder because I need a reminder. Because I'm telling you, you could, I could feel it in the air. That the world is trying to make us into its image. It's going to force us. And some of us will have to make a stand. We'll have to make a stand, maybe at work or at home or, or wherever. And God is going to call you to make a stand. And, and, and you're going to have to pay a price. Because the days of, um, and we'll talk about it, uh, living in a country that somehow just loves Christians, I think is uh, is waning, and, and it's getting less and less of a place that's welcoming to people like you and me. Now, I got a question for you. So as we, as Christians, live as aliens and strangers in a land that's not our own. So what happens, as I said, what happens when a country is no longer welcoming of you? But you're probably thinking, Pastor Mar, we don't have oppression in America. It's just in those faraway places. It's those places in, in North Korea and certain places in China and in the Middle East and other places. Those are the places where there's 
oppression. But I'm telling you, there are places here in our own country that Christians will be forced to assimilate and to change. Now, I would like for interaction, I know there's just a few of us, but help me out. What other nations is like, it's, listen, one time I said, um, a guy came up to me from India in a meeting, and he goes, can you pray for me uh, and my people? And in India, it's becoming illegal to become a Christian. So I prayed, and I said, Lord, we just pray for people in India where it's illegal to become a Christian. And unbeknownst to me, the president of the Indian Association at Florida State was in the audience, he just happened to come by, and all of a sudden you hear this loud voice, it's not illegal to become a Christian in India. And it was awkward. So I looked at him, and I said, uh, it was Ulysses, and I said, uh, Ulysses, are you, are you telling me the truth? He goes, yes. I said, well, I don't know who you are. I do know who he is, so we're going to pray what he just said. Now, the really neat thing is that uh, we were able to chat with him afterwards, and we were able to share the gospel. It turns out that certain regions of India were super much oppressing Christians. And it was illegal to become a Christian in that region of India. It wasn't the whole nation. But can you help me out? Can you name some nations that it's illegal to be a Christian? Iran, that's one for sure. Jordan? Syria? I'm taking your word for it. Anybody else? You guys on top of this? Parts of China for sure, yeah. There's a whole slew of them. Next time I'll bring the map and I'll show you. What is the goal of those nations? If you're a Christian, where it's illegal to become a Christian or be a Christian, and you have these underground churches or somewhere, what is the goal of the culture of those nations. They want to squelch it, right? They want to oppress it. They want to stop it. And if you don't stop, what happens? You get shipped off somewhere so they can reprogram you. Reprogram you to what? So that you can be emerged and merged right back into the culture. So the question I have for you, and it's a homework question. What is the, the world culture trying to get us to do? Do you know the answer? Ask the Lord to give you. What is the goal of the world's system? The world is trying to make us as believers to abandon and forget who we are. I'm on social media, and I notice that some of my Christian friends have forgotten that they're Christians. Somehow they think their highest calling is that somehow they have to speak for one political party or the other. And, I, and I, one time I, I addressed one person. I said, man, are you known as a Christian on your social media or are you known to be anti-so-and-so? They forget. The world is trying to get us to forget who we are. Try to get you to, to behave in a different system. That you become part of this system. But we have a higher citizenship. Now the world is trying to get you to, and me to, to adopt and to conform to its values, its standards. So that you don't stick out 
It's going to try to squeeze you into its mold. And I imagine all of you could say, I could feel that at work. Just nod at me if you can feel it. Like, you know, it's not like you can just pull out your Bible and, and have little Bible studies at work. What do they want you to do about your Christianity at work, right? Hey, they don't mind that you're a Christian, but just don't bring it to the workplace, right? Just keep it at home. You know, there are places where you're not even allowed to wear a cross around their neck at the workplace. You can't, you can't put a little scripture uh, frame on your desk. You know, listen, just be a good Christian, but leave it at home. Don't bring it to work. If you want to climb the corporate ladder, you're going to be pressured to leave your beliefs at home. We've been tamed. Little by little, you think... we. You know, we've done this in the past when we did the book of Esther. We were praying for the persecuted church, the poor Christians. And we joke around, they're probably praying for us because they know that we are also being smushed and pressurized. Not with a hammer. Not with a sword. But with pleasure, with entertainment, to get our attention somewhere else and to mold into the world system. We've become lions in a zoo. We've become lions in a zoo. We're, we're fun to look at, but we're not wild. We're not, we're not untamed. We're, we're being controlled. So as Christians, we have to choose daily, don't we? Let me move forward. We live, we live in a broken world. We are, uh, if you will, it's an old term, but we are aliens in a strange land. And these are the questions that Daniel, the book of Daniel is going to encourage us to look at. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Do you remember who caused the storm in the story of Jonah? It wasn't Jonah's disobedience that caused the storm. God caused the storm. Just look it up. Look what it says in verse 2 of chapter 1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim, Reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory. Who? Who gave him victory? The Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. The Lord permitted Nebuchadnezzar to take some sacred objects from the temple of God. That should cause you to like, wait a second. How is that possible? Now I won't read the rest of the chapter. But I'd like to encourage you to read it. How many believe that God is faithful? Amen. Raise your hand if you believe God is faithful. Now, before you say amen too quickly, uh, it was a setup question, all right? What I'm about to say may sound uncomfortable, but I pray that you feel comforted by the Holy Spirit. God is faithful. Let me ask you, some of you who are parents, uh, the good parents, uh, okay, if you're not a good parent, you may not understand this. Uh, a good parent says this, son or daughter, you will do this task because I'm the parent and you're the child. And 
Son or daughter, if you do not do the task in a timely manner that I have instructed you, I will faithfully discipline you. See, a lot of times when we say God's faithful, we're always thinking like the blessings. But God's word is true. Amen, amen, yes. God's word is true. And we're gonna see here, and we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do some homework, that God is faithful to his word. He says this, if you wanna be first, you have to what? Be last. If you wanna be the greatest, you're gonna have to learn how to serve. There is, that's, that's what the Lord has said, and that's the way it is. You reap what you what? You reap what you sow. There is no other system. You reap what you sow, that God has placed these principles and these laws in place, and he's been faithful to say, if you do these, you know, these things, you'll be blessed, and if not, I will discipline you. And that's a challenge for me. Sometimes when I try to read in uh, world news, and I always wonder, like, Lord, is this, is this an attack from the enemy? Or is this you, Father, using the enemy to discipline your children? Because that's what I see all the time, right? Even when it happens to me, I've had uh, bad things happen to me or at least in my perspective, bad things. And I ask myself, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? What am I, if, Lord, if this is a form of discipline in my life, and I mean correction, Lord, what do you want me to learn? Because not all bad things are because the, you know, the enemy is just attacking us. It could be that God is using these things to discipline us because he is faithful to his word. I know that doesn't sound good in our culture and I'm probably losing some viewership, but I need to be true to his word. And he is faithful. He is faithful. He speaks, he is faithful. He is faithful in keeping his word. Israel's exile during the time of Daniel, was not an accident. It was not an accident. It wasn't just Babylon was just expanding its, its kingdom in the 7th century B.C. If you read Leviticus 26, and we're going to stop there. We're not going to read it here. I'm asking you to read, go home and read it. Leviticus 26 God sends out a decree to the people, whether it's the Ten Commandments, but this one specifically, do not make idols or carved images or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your lands so you may worship them. I am the Lord your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains. God's blessing. He's faithful. I will give you peace in the land. I will look favorably upon you in the land. However, if you refuse to listen and still remain hostile towards me, 
then I will share my full vent of my hostility. Is God faithful? In Leviticus chapter 26, the answer is yes. It's being fulfilled in Daniel chapter 1. This is a challenging word for us, but I think Mosaic Church, you're capable of handling it. I would love to share a sermon series on how to be a better you, uh, but I just, don't, I, don't, I just don't know how to make that work in Scripture. A better way of being better us is being walking in obedience to the King and walking and being faithful to his word and knowing that he's faithful. Just like you are a faithful parent, if you're a good parent, you're faithful. If you do, your, uh, if you do this and this, and I'll, I'll give you a reward. And they do it, and what do you do as a good parent? You give them a reward. But if they don't do it, they don't do it, it that's when you determine whether your, your words are true. Let me encourage you, young parents, follow through, all right? Um, God has given you, given you a command and an opportunity to be uh, a leader in your home. Follow through, that's super important. So do me a favor, what is the world trying to form you into? That's question number one, homework number one. And the second thing is, read Leviticus chapter 26. We're going to end there, and we're going to just ask the Lord to give us uh, some wisdom. Uh, Royce, if you could come up, we're going to just finish with a time of worship. Every eye closed, head bowed, and say, Lord, I'm raising my hand already. Lord, I want to be all that you've commanded to me to be. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to be everything you commanded me to be. Lord, I'm I'm confessing here that it's so easy for me to conform into this world. Lord, I just pray that you would help me and help us. Lord, because I could feel that pressure. I could feel that pressure telling me what I can say and I can't say. Telling me that my thinking is old-fashioned or just bigoted. That it's arrogant to think that Jesus is the only way. And Lord, so when I come to church on Sunday mornings, it's a great way of celebrating who you are. It's a great way to lift up the name and putting things in perspective. It's also a great reminder where we are not of this world. We belong to you. Our citizenship, our passport is of a different place. And Lord, we want to honor you. Forgive us the strength to do that. We need your Holy Spirit. We can't do it by gripping, gritting our teeth and clenching our fist and tightening our belt. We can't do it by our own flesh. Lord, we want to walk in the Spirit. Can we go ahead and stand? We're going to just finish our time with this song. It's a reminder of where we want to live for you and that we love you. In Jesus' name. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.